been looking at really the title, how to, how to, how, how to Think About Today. This is part two, and uh, this is something that uh, um, I've been thinking about over, the, over the, the course of the summer and the course of everything because I, I didn't, we were doing other studies in the summertime about the heavenly places and the, where we're going to go and so forth and heaven and everything, and I wanted to make sure that we got through that. But really, this time, of the, this time in our country, the things that are going on and so forth, the election, the, the virus and so forth, and just really kind of how to process that down through in our thinking. And we started last week, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 and 4, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity of that's in Christ. And we talked about first last time about how, and how to think about things. First is the issue of the simplicity that's in Christ. You always have to remember that. Uh, the, the Christ and, and what he's done with you and I, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1. He's made us complete in him. He's, he's given us, he's made you accepted in the beloved. That's a wonderful thing to know that your acceptance is not in your job. It's not in your spouse. It's not in your family. It's in him. It's in the one who can never let you down, the one who can never fail you, because guess what will happen? Your job lets you down. Your spouse lets you down. Your family lets you down. No matter how wonderful your family is, there's still a bunch of sinners, and they're going to let you down, okay? <laughs> it's always a danger when you promote and when you, you think your family doesn't uh, make mistakes. And then because when they do make mistakes, guess what happens? It's like, oh my goodness, they made a mistake, you know? So the one that never will let you down, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're accepted in him. You've had all your sins forgiven. If you're in Christ today, you've had your sins forgiven. Boy, what a, what a wonderful thing that is. And that's the simplicity that's in Christ. These simple little things. How did Satan beguile Eve? How did he get Eve? Here is Adam and Eve created in the very image of the Godhead. They were perfect. They had no sin. And yet, what did Satan do in Genesis 3? Yea, hath God said. He caused Eve and ultimately Adam to begin to question the very word of God to them. Move them away from... Uh, could you imagine being created perfect? No, no sin? No, no feet hurt, no back hurt, no headaches, no, you know, losing your hair? <laughs> Some of you are losing... I'm losing it. It's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> time to wear a hat, you know? Ricky told me one time of the camera, the, the glare off the forehead, you know? Like, oh, well, let's get the... Don't, yeah, <laughs> don't wax it anymore. Yeah, get the, got to get the, uh, the stuff out to soften it up, you know. Could you imagine being in that condition? But you know what? You are in Christ. That's the simplicity. Then verse 4, For if he that cometh preacheth another gospel, whom you've not preached, I'm sorry, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear. The second issue is don't leave the word rightly divided. And I know what happens there. Because right now, if you look in, our, in, our, in the mainstream out there in the chit-chat about the vaccines and the, and the testing and the mask, and everybody brings up that wonderful thing in Revelation called the mark of the beast. You're going to mark you. You know what? You're not, you don't, you're not operating under Revelation time period. You're operating in the age of grace. By the way, the mark of the beast is not worldwide. Let me just pop your bubble right now and kick your little kingdom down. It is not, it's specifically located in the Middle East. The, the Antichrist is a politician. He doesn't have political control over the whole world. He controls ten nations, prophecy says. Oh, I got it quiet in here now, didn't we? Told you, I kick your little kingdoms right out the door. Why? Because you've got to get in that book and study and look at this stuff. You see, now, now, now granted, 
If you impact a third of the shipping industry, which is one of the vials, you do impact the world. But what sits over there in the Middle East that the world needs to function on? Oil. So he's going to impact the whole world. I'm not saying he doesn't have an impact, but his control is just in that area. Because that's where God's people reside, the nation. You see, you've got to get out of this thing about, oh my goodness, it's going to fall. Chicken little, woo here it comes. No, folks, listen, when you get into prophecy, you begin to talk about very specific people in very specific locales. You're not, and guess what? You ain't in it. There's no verse in Scripture that talks about the United States of America being around in existence in the last days. Just, again, kicking kingdoms today, I guess. You've got to get out of this thinking about so, you are something. You're, in Christ, you are. In prophecy, you ain't nothing. Because prophecy is talking about what God's going to do through his people to this planet. But see, if you don't rightly divide the word, guess what you think you are? Over there in Revelation 13, you think you are doing this stuff, and oh my goodness, here, you know, get a mark. By the way, the mark is just what it says, a mark. Now, I don't know how you would think about a first century writer, John, describing a television but he does when he says that the false prophet makes that image of the Antichrist speak. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Because he's looking to future to you and I. He's looking out ahead. How would a first century writer describe helicopters? Think, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Or flying, or airplanes. You know, and then you see locusts and he talks about this and that. Well, hey, that, maybe that ought to help you a little bit. So you've got to get out of, we're not preaching revelation. But that's, what, that's where, where you've got to get to when you start thinking about what's going on today. You've got to remember the simplicity that you and I have in who we are in Christ and the fact that when you come to the word of God, you better be coming to it rightly dividing the word of truth. Otherwise, you're going to cause yourself some hurt spiritually. And our Christian life, folks, will not operate on the basis of ignorance. You are to respond to what God is doing today. Not what he's going to do in the future. Not what he did in, the, in time past. But what is he doing today? And today, he's forming the church, the body of Christ. We are his ambassadors. You know what ambassadors do? They speak for a foreign government, don't they? By the way, when, when we invaded, when we go to war, who do we usually call home? ambassadors. When the rapture happens and he calls us home, guess what the next thing on the timeline is? War. Okay, think about that. If I can, you can, and I don't, I don't have much brain capacity upstairs. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. You see, folks, you need to understand that when you begin to think about things and you come to God's word for instruction, which is where you should be going, that you need to be coming to it in, a, in an understanding of what God is doing today. Because if you don't, then what begins to creep in is a wonderful emotion that God gave you called fear. And fear begins to creep in because you're not functioning as who you are and how you ought to be thinking about things. And when fear creeps in, you know what happens? Emotionally, you are gone. And there's nothing that can really bring you back on an easy get. We begin to fear what we hear, what we see. I told you last week, Leviticus 13, is a, there's a verse in Leviticus 13 that says, if you're sick, you ought to be wearing a mask. Ooh, didn't know that, did you? It's there. Actually, that verse in Leviticus 13 is verse 15, I believe. It says, when he cries out, he ought to be covered up. When you cry out, when you spew, when you speak, when you see, you know, by the way, they don't want you singing in church. Why? Because you're aerosoling what's going on. So, so you can say, well, the science says no mask and the science says yes mask. So which one do you believe? It doesn't matter who you believe. What does God's word say? Now, we're going to talk about the Leviticus 13 next week when we talk about Romans 14. But the thing is, is you can't say mask or no mask. 
Because God's Word says there are appropriate times to wear a mask. Follow that? So real quickly, you got to... So how do we think about all this? What begins to come? And honestly, folks, we need to have a clarity of thought. We need to fall back on the simplicity that we have in Christ. By the way, who, who, who made Eve's life complicated back there in Genesis 3? Eve did. Because when Satan said to her, Yea, hath God said, you know what she should have said? Yeah, you need to talk to my husband, Adam. Yeah, God said, you need to talk to the head of this house. He's right over there. She didn't do it. She made it complicated. Adam could have easily claimed, Numbers chapter 13, when a wife makes a vow that's wrong and God can come in and forgive us. There's stuff in that old book you've got to know, for, pay attention to. I think it's Numbers 13. It might be Numbers 31. <laughs> My little numbers, get, you know. See, we make life complicated. Christ says, I died for you. I took care of your sin debt. And then I blessed you with all your spiritual blessings you will ever need. And I equipped you to live life as who you are in, my, in me, in my son. And you need to get into the book, get those resources out, and then go live life. And in order to do that, you need to understand that Paul's your apostle and understand that book rightly divided. And when you do that, you know what begins to stay away is fear. What begins to come in is clarity of mind. And what comes to come in in our thinking is a calmness and peace. 2 Timothy 1, we have a wonderful verse about all of this and a passage here about us and how we've been equipped to handle and to do some things. And I just want to take the morning and just remind you of some of this. 2 Timothy is the last book of, of, of Scripture written and penned. It's penned by the Apostle Paul. It's written to Timothy, who's at Ephesus. And at Ephesus, everything is falling apart. Second, First Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy about here's how the local church is to be organized and run. And First Timothy is all about the church in, in rule. It's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Second Timothy comes in. After, and by the way, it's 1 Timothy, and then he writes Titus, and then 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy comes in, and he says, okay, you see all the, look down there at verse 15, 2 Timothy 1, 15. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Now you're going to see the church in ruin. It's not doing its job. It's falling apart. It's in apostasy. And what church history is going to look like, Timothy, when I die, chapter 4, he's going to die, until the Lord comes back, here's what it looks like, and it's all a bunch of apostasy. And all of 2 Timothy, he's talking about believers who understand who Paul is. They've turned away from me. They know Paul. They understand right division. They understand dispensationalism. And they've got suckered into going back to bondage of the law and following Moses. Or they got suckered into moving forward. You want to see that? Go over to chapter 2, 2 Timothy 2. Look at verse 18. Who, talking about Hymenus and Philetus, concerning the truth of erred, saying that the resurrection is what? Passed already. And overthrow. You know what they, you know what people will do with you? What religion does to you is it drags you back into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the old time past, or it drags you out into the book of the Revelation. Because if you say that the resurrection has already passed, what does that mean? You missed the rapture, dude. Or there was never to be a rapture, and that rapture is a future event. Follow what's going on? So they're going to drag you. Paul says, here's how you're going to get through that, Timothy. Here's how you to think about this. Here's how to go through this and work this down through. Verse number 6. First Tim, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Notice, wherefore. Timothy, because I know all about you. I know your families. 
history. Verse 5, your grandmother and your mom, I know where you came from. Timothy, Timothy's been with Paul since he was a young lad. Probably 16, they say. And Timothy's been there and worked, and Paul says, I know you. Verse 4, look at verse 4, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. Timothy is underneath an, an, an assault right here. Paul says, wherefore, Timothy, because I know who you are. Verse 7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Timothy, I know that fear has gripped you now. Verse 8, be not thou therefore ashamed of the... Shame has creeped into Timothy, and shame shuts you up. If you're ashamed of something, you don't speak about it. You don't talk about it. You run from it. You hide from it. And you know what Timothy's beginning? Timothy's under assault. He's under attack. He's under attack not only by the people, but by, by the adversary. And the attack is to discourage Timothy, to shut him up. And you know what? It's the same for you and I today. When you get under attack, what do you do? You fall back to your turtle mentality, I call it. You climb into your shell and you shut down. And you say, oh, it'll go away, it'll go away, it'll go away. And Paul's, going, Paul's saying, no, 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 don't. Verse, six, verse 7, for, wow, what a word, for God, for. Here's why I'm going to say this, Timothy. Here's why I'm going to say this now to you guys. For further explanation, more information here of why you ought to remember some things and stir it up. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Notice that word spirit is a small s. So it's not, it's not the Holy Spirit or but when you talk about spirit, you're talking about an attitude or a disposition. You know, you ever been, and there's a good spirit in the room. Everybody's having a good time. There's no tension. It's a, it, that's what this is. This, is. this is an attitude. This is a, a disposition. Fear. You know, he hasn't given us the spirit of fear. Ha, have you ever really looked at fear? You know, anger. God, God gave these wonderful emotions to you, to motivate you, to move you. You know, you got fear comes in, you got to flight or fight, they say. You're looking to get out of it or you're going to stand your ground and go at it. Be angry and sin not. You know, anger is a wonderful emotion. Fear is a wonderful emotion when it's harnessed correctly. When the word of God and who you are in Christ comes in and takes it and uses it appropriately. Usually, by the way, anger is just fear in disguise. Because you're scared about, you're, you're, you don't know how to handle something. So you get mad. Fear, the issue in fear, all through scripture, the great motivation of the law program is what? Fear. Did I do it or didn't I do it? Is he going to like it? Is he going to accept my sacrifice or not? It's fear. It brings in intimidation. It causes you to be timid about something. And when you're afraid of something, it produces the attitude or the spirit where you're going to begin to back off. And you become timid. You begin to shut down. You Think about this. I, I do. I see it. I see it in some of you. You, you. you get timid about it. You don't, instead of, hey, folks, your, your Bible is so wonderful. Hebrews says it is appointed unto man, what? Once to die. You know we're all going to die. Well, if I get the virus, I'm going to die. You're going to die anyway. But the fear that that invokes in you. Now, I'll be honest with you, the virus, you know, you, I read some of the how people die. I don't want to go through it. Don't get me wrong. You're still going to die. That ought to ease that. You know why people are scared to death? Scared of death, not scared to death. Scared of death. 
Because they don't know what's on the other side. They do know who's on the other side. And that's the judge, God Almighty. And if you're not in his son, then you're really trembling. Because you know the judgment is the issue. It's instinctive in you. It's Romans 1. It's built in. So what you get scared. And what do you begin to do? You begin to move away. And Paul says to Timothy, God did not give you that attitude. God did not give you that. That comes from the old man, the satanic attack in your life, in your thinking. Satan comes along and uses that to discourage you, to cause you to not think, cause you to not function as who you should. He brings, brings up things that you begin to go, wait a minute. If I do that, then that's going to happen. I ain't doing that. And Paul's like, no, do that. That's what you need to do. Come over to Philippians 1. Come back to Philippians 1. So, folks, this thing about fear and the spirit, the attitude of it and the disposition of it is something that it, it, it strikes the, the terror in all of our hearts. Think about something with me. Here you are. You are a member of the family of God. You've trusted Calvary, the shed blood work, completely. You're resting in his work. He comes on, Ephesians 1, and give, blesses you with all spiritual blessings, completes you, circumcises you, regenerates you, indwells you, seals you, puts you in, in, a, in, a, in a bubble, if you will, and encapsulates you with himself, the Godhead. And then we go over here and go, well, you know, I won't think like this. And he's like, no, hello. Think like I'm trying to teach you to think. Look at this, and we get all this stuff get welled up inside of us because we have succumbed to fear. Philippians 1, the church at Philippi was in this very condition. Philippians 1, verse 27, Paul says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That word becometh, attraction. He says in Titus that you adorn the doctrine. You make it look good. And I'll be honest with you, hiding over in the corner with your head in the sand doesn't make the gospel look good. Becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come or see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's what you ought to be doing. Standing fast, the spirit of oneness, this attitude of, of striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's what our ambassadorship is all about. We are to be proclaiming grace and peace. Those first words out of Paul in every epistle isn't Hebrew hello and shalom and Greek and all this blarky that they, that's what comes from preachers who don't know what they're talking about. He says grace and peace. What is God's official attitude toward the world today? Grace and peace. Otherwise it's going to be what? War and death and destruction. Again, right division helps because that's what's next on the timeline. That's what he's holding back. He says, hey, could you imagine going out into our community preaching grace and peace through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ? How far is that going to get you? It usually gets you in trouble, nowadays anyway. But that's our job. That's what we're to do. So if someone pulls up and says, you pay, you preach your mouth, you know, okay, here we come. Lord, here I come. <laughs> Why? Because that's our job. It's a different thinking about it. Look at verse 28. And in nothing... What? Terrified by your adversaries. Does the world hate you or love you? The Lord says to his disciples, his apostles, they will hate you because they hated me. They're going to hate you, folks. If you, if you take the audacity to stand up, to tell people that they're sinners on their way to hell, that really, that really endears you to people. But you come over and you look at them and you say, but Christ died for you. 
and he paid that penalty for you, you know what the world will look at you and say? You mean you believe in a dead Jew that hung on a tree? It was said to me. I know they say that. And you look over and you say, yeah, but he rose again the third day. And they say, yeah, that's just a story because we know that they moved his body. You know, that's what the Lord said they would say in the gospel accounts. Think about that. Terrified by your what? Adversaries. The world ain't going to love you, folks. But you know what? We're to love them. Because what do we have? The answer. And what fear does is it's going to come along and it's going to move you away from striving for the faith of the gospel. Now keep reading the verse. Which is to them an evident token of perdition. When they look at you, they see you terrified. They see you in fear. And you know what they'll say? That proves that everything you just said, Rick, is wrong. And you're a liar. And I ain't going to believe you. But to you of what? Salvation and that of God. You know what? When we're over there preaching, we're giving the gospel, we're talking about right division, we're doing the work of the ministry in your framework, in your, in your environment, how you do with you, with, in your personality. That's the word I was looking for. You know what? That, that world looks at you. They, they pull the 1 Corinthians chapter 1 on you, and they say that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that believe. They say you're a bunch of fools down there. You believe about this guy, that, this dead Jew that hung on a tree. You, you're just a bunch of idiots. You're stupid. You're ignorant. What school did you go to to hear that? And all this stuff, they just cram. And you know what you do? You begin to cower because it's fear. Paul says to Timothy, God, that does not come from God. It comes from the adversary. And what you need to do is learn how to control it. Come back to 2 Timothy 1. You need to understand how to take that, which is designed to intimidate you, and you need to take that emotion of fear, and you need to turn it to not fight or flight, but to stand there and say, you know what? I know what God's given, given me, and I'm going to stand there. You know what he gave you? He gave you the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. He gave you the, great, the big three again, the, trien- the, the trinities. They're all through Paul's epistles, by the way. We have peace with God, access by faith wherein we stand in this grace, and rejoice in the hope. Three, tribulation worketh. Patience. Patience what? Experience. And experience what? Hope. Big threes right there. All day long you can do this. It's the, it's the work of faith, the labor of love, and the patience of hope. There's the big three again. Faith, love, faith, hope, and what? Charity. See, all over. And he says, man, he gave you himself. And he says, you ought to be operating in that. You think about verse 7, but of power. Think about power, ability, right? Strength. I get on the rower, get to going. About two minutes in, I'm done. Right? Better than you did, better than I would, started doing. First time I got the rower, I got on, I did 15 minutes. I couldn't walk for three days. (laughs) So I'm like, time out. You know, and then I'm like, well, man, no wonder the belly isn't even getting where it's supposed to be. It's way back here. I'm like, forget it. You know, I'm just kidding. I didn't forget. So I went, you know, what do you get? You get strength. You get power. You have the ability to get some things done, don't you? Strength to go and to do. And you know what? With power, with that ability, with that strength, you don't have the attitude of being intimidated, do you? What do you know you can do? Get her done. You know you can work through this. You know what power brings in your life? It brings boldness. Come over to Ephesians. You've got the list there in front of you if you have a paper. Ephesians 3. You have confidence. You have battle courage. 
You have the ability to look at things and not be intimidated, but rather with some boldness. Ephesians 3, verse 12, In whom? In Christ, Jesus our Lord, we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. We have this, this boldness to be able to move in and to do. Come over to Philippians chapter 1. We have this, we, we have this attitude of not superiority. That's not power. You see, we don't study the Bible rightly divided just to be right or to throw it into someone's face that they're wrong and I'm right. We have it so we understand how to handle the details of life. We begin to look at this and say, wait a minute, I understand right division, and right division will keep me out of this tomfoolery over here and safe from this mess over there, and it keeps me centered where I need to be. And when you begin to talk to other people about it, don't have this, well, I know it more than you know it, because I'll bet you what, they know more about some things than you do. <laughs> and they're going to use it on you. Just give them a, If you give them a hearing, they're going to pull some stuff out of that Old Testament. You better be ready to handle. And then when they do, don't go, oh, no, 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 no. And just go, you know what, let me ask the preacher. I'll be right back. You know, and then text me, and I'll help you. But see the thing, or get in the book. Actually, the better thing is get in the book and figure it out yourself. Look at Philippians 1, look at verse 14. So power, confidence, boldness, courage. We're not talking about superiority. We're just talking about what we have. Philippians 1, verse 14, Paul says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds. He's in jail again, verse 13 he, he's made his way all the way down to the end of Acts 28. He's in the pal Caesar's palace. And he says, because of where I'm at and the people that are looking at me, you know what they're doing? They're waxing bold. Are much more bold to speak the word without what? Fear. Well, why? Because they got the ringleader. They got Paul up there in jail, so they won't be looking at me. They're going to be looking over there. I can go do it, right? That's kind of how I would think about it. But no, hey, folks, what have, what have they done to Paul? Think about his life. At every turn, what did he say? Verse 21, for to me to live is what? Christ. You know what they saw in Paul? They saw an attitude of, hey, if I live another day, great, and if I die, great. Whoop-de-doo, let's get her done, let's get the work done. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Can you say that? Think about that. Nothing I'm ashamed. He's not talking about going down and having a drink over here. Or doing. It. He's talking about doing the work of the ministry. Why is he in jail? He has broken no law. He has not broken any moral law or conduct law. They got him in jail for preaching that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day, and if you don't trust him, you're on your way to hell. That's why he's in jail. The Jews did not like the pre him preaching about the resurrection part. They throw him in jail. You know what the, peop the, the people are seeing him do? Stand there with what? Confidence, boldness, power. And you know what that did for the others? They gave them the same power. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by, wow, look at that, death. Look at Paul's attitude. Paul's sitting there saying, man, I'm not going to be intimidated I'm going to do what I am to do and when we walk in the attitude of power and in boldness we will not walk in intimidation and in fear when we take the mindset and I'm not talking about the, the virus stuff I'm talking about the thinking you're thinking about it thinking about forget the virus think about paying the bills tomorrow <laughs> oh my goodness how do we do that? It's called a job, just so in case. <laughs> okay. See, when you begin to think about stuff, life, folks, if you walk in who you are and that boldness of that power, get Romans 1. 
verse 16. When you, talk, when you think about the power that God has given you, the last thing you're worried about is being intimidated, being pushed aside. Look at Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? The power. He gave us the spirit of what? Power. You know what you have in your life, resident in your inner man, as a resource, as a source of power, is the power of God. There's the Father. The next list is the spirit of what? Love. 2 Timothy 1.8. I'm sorry, 1.7. You're in Romans 2, Romans 1. Look over at Romans 5. You think about the, the spirit of love. Here's our motivation. When you think about love, and again, it's not the, you know, the girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, and wife thing. It's talking about a mental attitude. It's talking about Philippians 1.9, that your love may abound yet more and more in all knowledge and judgment and wisdom and approving of things that are excellent. It's a mental way of thinking about things the way God thinks about it. Look at Romans 5, verse 8. But God commended what? His love. Verse 5, because the love of God is shed abroad in our, you see, His love. But God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Come on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You see, folks, when we talk about, when he talks about the spirit of love, he's talking about having the right motivation. He's talking about coming along and having the proper thinking about what you're doing, thinking about what the power is producing in your life. Second, uh, Second Corinthians, Galatians 5 won't work. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ does what? Constrains us, motivates us, moves us. Why? Because we thus what? Judge. We think about things a certain way. That if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died from them and rose again. Folks, when you're operating in the spirit of power, you have that proper, that spirit of power is designed to produce, to be produced in our thinking about who we are. You come over, look at Ephesians 4. Then you talk about the spirit of love. But whose love? Not your love. My love wanes. Yesterday I was excited. Alabama won. Woohoo. Today I will not be so excited about that. Why? Because that was yesterday. Today we're looking at something else. Today we're here. <laughs> right? Your love is up and down. It's all over the place. Why? Because it's you, but it's his love. What did the love of Christ do to you? It comes in and constrains you, picks you up, bear hugs you, moves you. Ephesians 4, verse 15. But speaking the truth, what? In love. May grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You're going to speak the truth in love. Here's the truth. What, what are you looking to do? Grow up. You see, the love is designed to produce in our thinking the proper motivation, the proper movement. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why did I make this decision over here? Did I do it for selfish reasons? Or did I do it as an ambassador for Christ and for the right reasons? There's a motivation in that. Then he says, the spirit of a sound mind. Back to second, go back there to 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. You see, folks... When you're functioning as who you are in Christ, and, and again, you got to work at this. <laughs> you know, my dad used to say he didn't pour, drill a hole and dump it all in there for you. You know, you got to study. You got to work at this. You got to think about this stuff. God looks at Israel and says, Come and let us reason together. I love that. The God of the Bible is a reasonable God. People don't think that, but He is. He loves freedom, liberty, but he loves accountability as well. He loves responsibility. 
He says, come and let's think about this. Romans 12, over there talking about your service, and it's a reasonable service. None of this is unreasonable. It's going to look like it looks in your life because that's you. That's your personality. And he says, listen, I gave you the resources of power, of the power of God, the strength, the ability to, to have victory in your life. I gave you the spirit of love, the proper motivation, not to do it for yourselves, but to be doing it for others and to be living for as who you are in Christ. And then he says, oh, and I love this one, a sound mind. Sound. That's the idea of sober, healthy, sane, clear thinking. No more stinking thinking, as the guy said. Clear clarity of thought. You know, in the middle of trouble, when you don't know what to do, you do know what to do, don't you? Don't do anything. Wait till, the, wait till it clears up. You know what to do? Go back to God's word. Say, okay, God, here's what's going on. What what does your word say about what's going on? What does the word of God say about COVID-19? What does it say? You know, it says absolutely nothing about it. But it says a lot about how you ought to think about it. That's what we're talking about. Next week, we'll look at Romans 14, how you ought to be dealing with one another with COVID-19 on your mind. How do you think about this stuff? And he says, I gave you a spirit of a sound mind. Look down at verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words. Isn't that an interesting? Sound. Healthy words. Words that are going to come and which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Words that are going to come along and do what with you? Build you up. 1 Timothy chapter 1, just flip back there. 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 10. Go back up to verse 3. 1 Timothy 1 verse 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. That's fantastic. You know what Paul calls the other parts of the Bible? Other doctrine. I call them Bible doctrine. You know, there's a difference between Bible doctrine and verse 10, the end of that verse, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Do you know what Bible doctrine and sound doctrine are usually not the same? Actually, they're never the same. It's interesting. Bible doctrine is Noah and the ark, the Ten Commandments, Israel, time past, Hebrews through Revelation. Those are Bible doctrines. True, they're God's word. They're there. Romans 15 says they're there for our learning. By the way, not for our obedience. <laughs> so kind of an interesting, he left that word out of that verse. It's there for our what? Learning. But when I want sound, health-giving doctrine, where do I go? Paul's epistles, Romans of me. Now, if I live in time past, or if I'm going to live out in the ages to come, where am I going to go? For sound doctrine. Hebrews to Revelation, Genesis to Acts, right? There's sound What's Bible doctrine? Paul's epistles. Peter actually calls. He says, but now in the doctrine. The sound doctrine. You have to think about that. Sound. Healthy. Come over to Titus chapter 2. Titus 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Titus 2 verse 1. Isn't that interesting? The things which become, what? Sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober. Isn't that interesting? Sober. Drop down there to verse 8. The young men, they're to be taught to have a sound speech. What kind of speech would be sound? Life-giving speech. Speech that's designed to edify the body to edify the local church. Come back to, on your way to Isaiah, stop in Acts 20. Uh, You know what, just go to Isaiah. Isaiah 26. When you talk about sound mind, Isaiah 26, we're talking about the word, sound words, sound doctrine, health, life, 
giving over there in Acts 20 where I was going to drag you to. He says, hey, you guys are the overseers of the church bought by, the, bought by his blood, that you would, he would, and I commend you to the Lord that you would grow up into this grace. How do you grow up? Sound. Brian came over to the house and put in winter grass. First time we've ever trying it. You know what he does? He goes, it's got to do this, got to do this. Got to water it until it floats away. Okay, got to do this, got to do this. All this stuff. And why? Because what do we want to come up? Grass. So what do you do? You got to sound this life-giving. Isaiah 26, verse number 3. Isaiah speaking here. He says, thou will keep him in perfect peace. Would you like to have perfect peace? You have it. Romans 5, verse number 1, Therefore, being justified, we have peace with God. Never to offend Him again. His justice, that is. Ooh, think about it. We have peace. Romans 15, over there, he says, The God of peace keep your hearts and minds in joy and believing. Fantastic. But notice what he says here. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, who, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. You know what Isaiah says about the nation of Israel? You know what Paul says? Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about you and I. You want to have peace in your thinking? You want to have perfect peace? You're going to have to trust what God says. And you're going to have to be thinking about what God says to you. Stayed, 1 Corinthians 2, stayed upon the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, he says to you and I, for who hath, met, who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? Well, what a question. But we have the mind of Christ. Part of the spiritual blessings that you get is that you have the mind of Christ. The other component is that big black book right there. King James Bible, the Word of God. You have it. We have the Word of God. John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the word, word was with God, and the Word was God. You go over there to Hebrews chapter number 10, and he says, Lo, in the volume of the book, it is written about me. Quote in Isaiah. You see, folks, we have, go back there to 2 Timothy 1, we have his plan, his purpose, we, have, we, we know what he loves, we know what he hates, we know how he thinks about things. And to have his mind is for us to not only have the book, but it's also then to go over there and think like he thinks about items, about the things of life. Chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. Folks, we have the capacity of a sound mind that allows us to take God's Word, rightly divided, and apply it by faith to every situation in life. And that was going to lead us to the conclusion that God's Word would have us come to. One more verse, 1 Thessalonians 2. All of that comes on the basis of our faith resting on the words and the page of a book. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. You see, folks, you want to you escape the fear of what you see going on around us today? You need to turn that stupid TV off. You need to unplug from Facebook. There's a neat little thing Linda and I watched the other day on Netflix called Social 
disturbia or something like that. It's a thing. Are you talking about scare you to death? Okay. When you, you look at that stuff and how they are programmed to run and control your thinking, your mind. Social dilemma. That's the name of it. When you think about what you put, what you allow to come into your thinking, into your face, you, just, you want to get over the fear. Listen, you got science on both sides of the equation. So you can't say the science is better on my side than the other side. No, it's the same science. It's the same. What are you going to do? 1 Thessalonians 2, verse number 13, Paul talking to the Thessalonians. He has not written a book. He says, when I got there for this cause, also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, when I got down there and I gave you the gospel, you know what you did? You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. When you heard the gospel presentation, chapter number one, and you believed in the shed blood, you trusted the, the gospel, my gospel. You know what you trusted it as? Not my word, but the word of God. That which effectually worketh also in you that what? Believes. It's not just enough to know it. You got to believe it. What has he given to you and I? He's given us this power, sound mind, and love. And he says, that's how you're to be thinking about things. And when you don't, you're going to end up in that fear category. You're going to get intimidated, and you're going to go cower in the corner when you ought to be standing from the truth of the Word of God rightly divided. You're going to stand over there in that corner, and, nobody, and everybody's just going to walk right by you. And he's like, that's not your job. Your job is to be that ambassador. You do it in your ability. Don't do it in mine. You do it in yours. You do it how it looks in your family how it looks in your life, your personality. That's the wonderful thing about the message of grace. It goes in to wherever, and it lives and thrives. It cleans up, it purifies. Okay? Now next week we're going to talk about Romans 14. Because Romans 14 now tells me how I ought to deal with you, and you deal with me, when we're not on the same page. Because there are some that believe we ought to be wearing masks and do all this, and there are others that don't. And you know what? Both are good deals. It's the interaction that we're to have with each other. And Romans 14 lays that out clear as the nose on your face. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, I thank you for the folks, for the people to come to listen, to look into these things, and to consider what your word says about things. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything that's said and done. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.